The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him, just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. did something that I have never done before, or at least not since I've been ordained last Sunday. I know a few of y'all noticed because you gave me funny looks. Somebody might have said something after the service. I wore my running shoes to church. And I didn't today because somebody told me a little secret. I've recently learned that I have plantar fasciitis. Um, it's painful, and so they told me about these little inserts that you can get and put in there, and now all of a sudden I can wear my, my dress shoes once again. So for those of you that were mortified that I would wear running shoes at church, you're, you're in the clear. 
And I think I've learned the secret of getting old, which I know you all find that probably humorous that I could even claim that. And that is learning to cover up who we have become. Isn't that interesting? That's the kind of what we think we need to do. We need to cover and hide all those things that we don't like about ourselves. To understand the story in the Old Testament, it's helpful to know a little bit of the backstory. Um, it's, a un- it's unique for the Israelites, for God and, and people to have conversations. It happens occasionally, but it's rare. And it's not the first time that God has a conversation with Moses. But in Exodus 33, verse 20, God says, You cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. The ancient Israelites believed that God's glory was too much for humans to handle. I think um, part of this was maybe captured um, in that great movie um, by Spielberg and Lucas, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, If you all remember at the end of the movie when the Nazis have captured the Ark of the Covenant and then Indy and his girlfriend are tied up on posts and and Indy looks at Mary and is like, you know, just hide your face when they open the Ark and the spirit comes out and there's that like horrible, crude face-melting scene and everybody dies except for Indy and his girlfriend. But this kind of old ancient idea that, that humans couldn't see the image of God um, and handle and live and survive. So people couldn't handle the glory of God. And so the priests in antiquity, if y'all remember, um, if y'all remember the uh, old understanding in Judaism is that God resided in the temple. And so people would go to the temple to encounter God, and priests would then go in that kind of secret room behind the veil, and they would actually wear a mask. They would wear a veil so that they could see, so that they could, be, they could hear God and they could counter God. And so Moses is playing the role of a priest in this story. And it's interesting because there is a, a change in the story that if you are following this logic, it should stand out to you. Moses is taking off of his veil to speak to God. And then his face is shining, and he leaves it off to speak to his people. And then he covers his face afterwards, and we're kind of led to believe in this and in other readings that the reason that he has to put the veil back on is that people were scared that he would leave them to be with God because he is so radiant. I wonder if it's the kind of the first story of peer pressure not to let the light of God shine, to put that mask on. But Moses is transfigured. He looks different. My, uh, my Jack uh, just turned seven years old, and um, this past month we've given our second attempt to read uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, Harry Potter series, and this time it actually worked, and Jack, um, Jack is paying attention to everything, and on Thursday night we finished the first book, which meant on Friday we got to watch the movie. Um, that's how I motivate my children. Um, 
There's this passage at the end of the book where the great wizard Albus Dumbledore is explaining to the young boy, Harry, why the evil force, and if you're familiar with the story of Voldemort, um, is unable to touch him um, at the end of the book. And he says to Harry, Your mother died to save you. If there is one thing that Voldemort cannot understand, is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark. Not a scar, not a visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is your very skin. Quarrel, who is the kind of the enemy that he's battling at the end, full of hatred, greed, and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. I was blown away this week on Thursday night reading that, this image that this young boy is marked by the love. His mom, who, who sacrifices her life for him, that perfect gift of love. And he doesn't recognize that he's changed, but he is. He's different. He's been transfigured. My sisters and brothers, that is us. We are loved even more deeply by our Lord Jesus Christ. And his love has left a mark on us, on our lives. We proclaim that God's love on the cross is for you and me and for all others. And that love protects us forever. Today in the gospel, we hear of three of the most well-known apostles, Peter, James, and John. And they find themselves led up to the mountaintop uh, by Jesus witnessing what... Uh, we can't really understand. It's this incredible story of the transfiguration. And, and they witness this, and they witness the glory of God, and they, they live. Um, and Peter thinks he has it all figured out. You know, Master, shouldn't we stay up here and build a home? And at that moment, darkness fills the day, and there's this voice that cries out. And I, I kind of, when I read the story, I heard anger because they're terrified. And Peter and John and James have missed the picture once again. Yes, they have witnessed the glory of God, but they've missed the big picture. They want to stay on the mountain. And instead, they are commanded off the mountain to go into this community that is also failing to understand the glory of God because they can't heal the boy If you, in that second part of the reading that we've heard. This story reminds me, and I don't know if any of y'all are, are art lovers, but there's a famous painting by Raphael which has a, a picture of the Transfiguration. And in his painting, he portrays the, the sleeping apostles atop the hill while the crowd is below reaching out with all the suffering and the pain. Um, and there's a division between those on top and those below. The painting shows the crowd reaching up from the depths of the valley with their eyes to the sky to see Jesus. In Luke's gospel, though, the people have to come down to encounter those that are suffering and in agony. The gospel's the reminder 
that the top of the mountain is not where we're supposed to be. I think this last week, I've been struck by just how much people suffer in pain. And we, see, we, hear, we hear stories all the time of suffering. I know that that's kind of the great kind of Christian call to go out and to be with people who are suffering. But what struck me this week is that even church can cause deep and emotional anguish for many people. And it's just a reminder of how imperfect we are. And I think that there is often this temptation to want to pull people up to say, hey, come join the Episcopal Church as if we are on some hypothetical mountain. And my friends, we're not. Our own history and struggle to show the love and grace of God to all people is not perfect and it's not complete. But we have been changed. Every Sunday as we come forward in sacrament, the belief that God loves us and that love transforms us means that we're called off of the mountain to journey with others in their pain and anguish, to journey with God. But our lives, like Moses, we've been transfigured. We've been made different because of the love of God on the cross. And if we're listening to Paul's words, because of Christ, we don't have to wear a veil. It is the learning that we need to do to not try to, to cover up all our imperfections, but to unveil ourselves and to show the radiance and love of God as we come off the mountain. May we be encouraged to journey there today and share the healing love of God with all. Amen.